being part of the team and then also being able to share that with my family who could come and watch. Um, that was amazing. So, I mean, yeah, you, you grow up watching World yeah. Cups and then to be able to play at one, I think for me, was, was definitely um, a personal highlight. Welcome back, everyone, to the Glasgow podcast. Thanks very much for listening. Today, I'm not going to lie, I'm buzzing about this one. Um, just, just due to the absolute obsession I've got with this person's line of work. I've got Birmingham City Women in Scotland International, Christy Murray on with me. Christy, how are you doing? I'm great, I'm great, thank you. How are you? Yeah, good. I cannot describe to you how excited I am to have a footballer on this. <laughs> um, you a big football fan? Yes, so you'll be bombarded with, with questions that people just want to know. I, don't know. I say people, I really want to know as well, but a lot of people have been asking, so it'll be, it'll be good to get a wee bit of an inside look. I think for, for me, just to obviously to, to go back to kind of start of things and the way I can speak to, to most guests that came on is going back to like school and things was it always mm-hmm. going to be football for you or what was it kind of the, the career plan career plan um I definitely didn't think when I was younger that I would have been able to play football full-time mm-hmm. um it wasn't really an option then um so when I was younger I just kind of I wanted to be a PE teacher mm-hmm. so I mean I was I'm I was obsessed with football and I still am. Mm-hmm. Um, but in terms of like a pathway, like young girls got, have got now where they can aspire to play full time, like that wasn't really an option for me. It was always like play to aim to play for the national team, um, the senior A team, but it was never really until I got a bit older that that could actually become like a reality for me. Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean, growing up, like I was playing football all the time. My brother's a year younger than me. Um, so we pretty much were out playing football all the time, would run home at lunchtime, get a lunch, run back to school so that we had more time to play football, <laughs> run home at like once school was finished, get changed and then go out to play at the park until my mum was like coming round in the car looking for us to go back for dinner. So it was just like constant football and I loved it. It was some of my best memories, like mm-hmm. obviously growing up and just playing football with the boys. I was like the only girl that played at the time. Mm-hmm. Um so it was just like just eventually once they got to know you and stuff they're like well she's just she's good enough so she's one of us we just I just played with them so yeah it was great and I've got a lot of really fond memories of playing football when I was when I was younger and growing up Mm -hmm. and did you find that strange growing up obviously it's totally different now but when when you were Mm -hmm. growing up and there wasn't a lot of girls playing was that something that you really noticed or were you just bothered about getting a game and, and just getting on with it yeah I mean you did notice it like in school like Everyone, we, we had a really small primary school. I come from Brigade, which is like a, just a, a village outside of Glasgow. Mm-hmm. And um, there was like only like 100 pupils or something. So everybody knew everybody and they knew that I love football and I was constantly out my front playing football or whatever. So they, they accepted me and they just like, they loved that I played football. But I think going into a different environment, for example, when I went to high school or when I went to when a holiday to play football, like, mm-hmm. It's almost like back to square one when people are picking teams, you're the last pick. Yeah. And then when they realise that you can actually play, they're like, Oh right, okay, she's she's we want her on our team. Um so it was just kinda of breaking down like some barriers in that sense that like there wasn't as many girls playing, it wasn't as normal. So it was just I think that was a challenge for me as a young a young girl. But I think I was just obsessed with playing. So I was just like, Well, if that's one thing I need to deal with then 
I'm sure at some point they'll be fine as as long as I can just join in and play. So yeah, and just go on with it. And did you mm-hmm. keep that going through high school as well? Or did, were you did you kind of wane in interest then with the lack of people playing, or was it you just kind of headstrong into it? Yeah, no, I was always like pretty like focused when it came to football. Like um, in high school, like we the boys played outside like during like breaks and stuff like that but when it came to like PE I was always involved like the, <laughs> to be fair like the PE department were amazing with me mm-hmm. um both in primary school and obviously in, in high school and mm-hmm. they were very like they pushed me to play they pushed me to get involved um I remember my higher PE class I was the only girl in it and for like two or three hours one or two days a week we were just out on the park playing football and mm-hmm. that was part of so I mean I was like literally loving life and <laughs> you um yeah, literally, honestly, and then I'd come home, I'd get changed, and then I would go to training at night, like, three or four times a week, so it was it was full on, but mm-hmm. it was brilliant. And then, obviously, when I was kind of doing a wee bit of research and looking after, like, kind of high school and things like that, you mm-hmm. did, you got a scholarship in America, is that right? Yeah, I, I got a scholarship when I was 16, so mm-hmm. I was... Um, I was playing with Scotland under 17s mm-hmm. when I was in, uh, we played in Bristol and there was a, a scout was like watching the game. There was a few scouts watching and one of them happened to like walk into the same cafe my mum and dad were in and they, were, they heard obviously a Scottish accent and he was, he was Irish. Right. And he was like, oh, they were like, what are you doing here kind of thing? Just because they were, they were standing next to each other. Like, I'm here to watch the football. Mm-hmm. And then they were like, oh, my daughter plays. And he was like, oh, I'll watch out for it. And they ended, ended up after the game. He'd went up and gave my mum and dad his card and was like, look, we'd be interested in having Christy over. I mean, I was 15 at the time when yeah. this was happening. So I was really, really young. I hadn't even finished my standard grades. Mm-hmm. So, and this was in like the March, February time. Um, so I was studying for my standard grades. And then I was like, America was the thing when I was younger. That was yeah. that was where you could go and be a full-time athlete and, and study. Mm-hmm. I mean, I was more interested in the football side yeah. of it but to actually obviously to study as well um was an amazing opportunity and uh, looking back on it now I'm like how did like I was like mum how did you let me move to the other end of the world <laughs> when I was just turned 16 I was like what like was it hard because I mean for me it was quite daunting it was more yeah, when I got definitely. on the plane to fly out mm-hmm. and I was like it was kind of like oh god what am I actually doing right now but um but it was brilliant I loved it um I ended up only staying for seven eight months so the first kind of semester mm-hmm. um and then and i don't know if you know much about the the college system in america but it only goes for like for football anyway like just one semester so it's in the autumn oh, um and then okay. after then you're only really training in like the spring so you're not actually competitive uh, there's no competitive fixtures so i think at that point i was as very much like I wanted. I couldn't play for the national team either at the youth level because mm-hmm. they just didn't have the funds to, to fly me back yeah, and stuff so true. I was just like, I want to come home. I mean, it was amazing just like training full time, learning mm-hmm. what it actually physically, like what I needed to do to be at the highest level, um, how I needed to train, like kind of mindset of like a, an athlete and also then to study and live on my own. Mm-hmm. I grew up very quickly over there. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was brilliant, but I don't regret coming home. I don't regret going because it was a brilliant part in me growing up as a, just as a person and then also as a footballer. So, mm-hmm. Um, but coming home was also the best thing I did as well. Yeah, and as you say, it's mm. for someone at fifteen. Yeah, I can't even imagine me at fifteen <laughs> having that choice. I would be just. I think in theory it's brilliant, but the actual going through of it is totally different. What were your um, What were your mum and that like at the time with you about the actual opportunity? 
they were they were excited. They've always been amazingly supportive mm-hmm. um, of my football. They just want me to be happy, and like they know that it's always been about football for me. So they were just like, if you feel like this is right for you, we'll totally support you. Mm-hmm. Um, so we went out to my dad and I went out to America to see it first to right. see the college and and just kind of do um, our due diligence and make sure it was like okay and and it was safe. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was that kind of settled them a bit, knowing that where I was going to be, and then um, we just kind of spoke on the phone, like and, and kept in touch that way. But it got to kind of like the December, and then I was just like, I spoke to my mum, and I was like, I actually want to come home. Yeah. It's quite upset. Like mm-hmm. I just kind of, you know, that way I was just like, you don't have the same support system. Yeah. Whilst whilst people were amazing, like honestly, they took me under their wing. I was like, had a lot of really good people about me, but I just wasn't. I just didn't feel like that's where I wanted to be for the yeah. next three and a half years. Mm-hmm. So, um, but my mum and dad were so supportive and they always have been of like, um, what I wanted to do with my life and, and with football. Mm-hmm. And did you, when you went over there, obviously you, you touched mm-hmm. on it earlier, the US are, they've always been on the front foot for as far as mm-hmm. athletes go. Did you right away notice that there was such a big step up in terms of what you'd been doing in Scotland to going over there and the training and the standards, etc. Yeah, um, at that prior to going over there, I was training at like a local park mm-hmm. three nights a week, um, just a grassroots club, which were amazing. They don't, I don't think there is a team anymore, um, Bayliston girls, but did so many girls come through, um, that ended up going to play at international level, both like youth and senior, and mm-hmm. but it just wasn't the same level of professionalism, yeah. um. We had access to the gym, we had our own pitch, we had our own changing room. We trained every morning. Like when I went out for pre-season, we were training three times a day. And I had to be training maybe four times a week max at that point. Mm -hmm. So it was very much like straight in at the deep end and learning how to be an athlete Mm -hmm. and learning what it takes mentally as well as physically. Because when you're you're training that hard, it's getting yourself in a place um, where you're going to be uncomfortable, but knowing that it's for the right reasons and it's to make you a better athlete. So, um, yeah, it's definitely, it was, it helped me a lot as a young athlete, Mm -hmm. um, just to get to know what's expected. And, and when I come home, if I wanted to break into the senior team, then it was something that I needed to continue to work on. Yeah. And did you, when you were obviously after that seven month period and you're then looking to come home, did you feel the benefit of that seven months of training like that and having that intensity coming back to, to Scotland? Yeah, definitely. And I, and I was also playing against like women mm-hmm. every other week yeah. when, and then also training as well. So I was playing against players that were physically more mature. Mm-hmm. Um, and obviously I'm quite small anyway, I'm five one. So um, for me, it was just, it was brilliant. And when I came back, I ended up joining Queen's Park, which was again, like a senior team. So I think physically it, it gave me an edge and it meant that I was sharp when I came to playing. Um to playing at that level so it was it was definitely really beneficial for me to go over there mm-hmm. and when you obviously when you were coming back did you have Queen's Park as the option right away or, or did you need to kind of wait and bide your time to get a club or what was the kind of background there um a few of the players that I'd played with um at Bayliston had moved up to senior level and they had went there mm-hmm. um and I knew um the coach and I knew a few a few more of the players and it just I kind of went and joined training and it it just kind of fitted well. Um, mm-hmm. It was a good a good environment for, for me to play um, week in, week out. And then I think it was only there about seven or eight months. And then I ended up joining Celtic. So um, 
which uh, I'm actually a Celtic fan. So as a young girl growing up, I actually never thought that that would have been possible. Yeah, so when move. when your when your team comes like and and offers you the opportunity to play, like um, I was obviously really excited and. Um, yeah, I was only seventeen at the time, so mm-hmm. it was it was um, exciting to sign for the club that I support. Yeah, and did that from the take away from the kind of supporters idea? Did it live up to your expectations as a player as well? And again, obviously, with no disrespect to, to Queens Park, but was it another step mm-hmm. up for you on that kind of ladder at that point? Yeah, um, I think at Queens Park at the time we were the league below. I think we were in the first division it wasn't in the Premier League so mm-hmm. that was another opportunity for me to kind of like step up to step up a level like but we had actually really good players at Queen's Park that could play at that level but I think for me the, ne- the next step was to um, to join the Premier League and to play in that and um, that gave me the opportunity to do to do that mm-hmm. um, I was surrounded by a lot of like over the, the couple of years that was at Celtic I think it was two and a half or three years that I was there um, a lot of senior senior players that kind of took me under the wing and and helped me grow as a as a, as a young athlete as well um, and a young footballer so that was a, a really good opportunity for mm. me as well to play regularly and also to to see what they did that we had like Pauline Hamill with Susie Shepherd Becky Bisland there was a lot of players at that time who'd played kind of in the league for a long time so yeah. I was able to kind of see what they did in the gym or or how they trained consistently and were so professional that I wanted to add that to my game mm-hmm. and you're living the dream as well playing for the club that you you support exactly yeah exactly and so you went from Celtic to Glasgow City mm-hmm. so at that point were you just looking for a move or was there kind of things going on in the background um so at the at the point that I joined Glasgow City, I was actually studying um, at the National Performance Centre, which was a technical-based program for up-and-coming Scotland international players that mm-hmm. were kind of it was to bridge the gap to get us into the senior team, right. um, as well as studying full time. Mm-hmm. So a lot of the girls that I was there with played with Glasgow City, um, and as they have done over many years, Glasgow City were the dominant team and they were winning, winning the league, they were winning cups, they were playing in the Champions League and for me, I was very much like I wanted to play in the best team mm-hmm. in, in Glasgow City at that point where. And I felt like for me to step up, to get to the national team and then also to get to, to play regularly with the national team and stuff, mm-hmm. um, it was it was a good opportunity for me to do that and to learn kind of, just to kind of push my game on uh, tactically and technically. Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of the players who played with Glasgow City were senior international, so... That's where I wanted to be. Yeah, and did you? Was it hard to leave Celtic, or were you just at that point kind of ready to make that step? No, I think it was always harder for me to leave Celtic, given that I'd been there for three years. A lot of my friends were there. I was really, I was still young, and and it was, yeah, it was it was kind of. I was ready for a new challenge. I felt like I wanted to train, but they they trained four four nights a week. I think at that point, so. Um, it was pretty much like full time as well as training in the mornings and whatever. So mm-hmm. I think just to play on the international level, on the club level, even just the Champions League, that was what I wanted to do. Mm-hmm. That's what I was going to ask you as well, obviously. And you, you've said it there Glasgow City are the kind of regular fixture in the, the Champions League side of things. And mm-hmm. for you, how was that experience like coming up against a, a kind of top quality? clubs fate all over the world as well yeah that was amazing that's what I mean I've watched Champions League games in the men's side and for me to be able to play um, 
on that level um, as a female footballer was amazing and it's it's what I wanted to do as a young player so um, that was great to test myself against some of the best teams in Europe mm-hmm. um, the first year that I played at Glasgow City we got we got through so initially it's like a group stage where we went to Serbia and we played it was like four teams involved including ourselves mm-hmm. we qualified out for the first time ever to the group stages where right. we would host like a home and away leg mm-hmm. so even just to be part of the whole kind of that as well and then um, yeah, it was it was a brilliant journey, and it was a it was a great opportunity for us to test ourselves against some of the best teams in Europe. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, it, it was brilliant for me. I loved it. And that that might link into one of the questions that somebody had actually sent in, and it might be mm. might be in the Champions League, or it might be for the the clubs you've played elsewhere. But somebody's asked who the best team is that you've played against at any point in your career. The best team. Um, well, in club level, we played, um, there's probably two, and they're both German teams. Um, we played Potsdam in that same year that I was talking about. So we played, um, I think it was Valur, mm-hmm. which is an Icelandic team, and we beat them. We, we drew with them at home, and then we beat them away. And then we ended up drawing Potsdam. And at that point, they were doing really well in Germany, and they absolutely battered us. Like, it was just, it just at that point, it was kind of like, wow. Like, they had <laughs> a lot of German internationals, and it was just... I think we'd get into the game maybe a little bit naive at how, how good they actually were. Mm-hmm. Um, and and it was kind of like, not a wake-up call, but it was like, right, okay, we've still got a long way to go. And and it was great to test ourselves against that, the, kinda, the calibre of players and teams. So I would say they were probably one. And then we played, when I was at Bristol, we played against Frankfurt. Mm-hmm. And at that point, they had a lot of like really good senior international players, not only from Germany, but from... Um, kind of all over the world and I would say at that point one of the best club teams that I've played mm-hmm. um, on an international level definitely I mean I would say America is definitely up there with what, like if not the best team that we've played against Yeah, France are all, also very good um, just in a different and with a, just a different style but I would say they were probably the, the most difficult kind of opponents that I've played against mm-hmm. and see see in those games and this is just something that I've been curious of do you know like obviously maybe not as a team but see you yourself like if you've been on the pitch maybe five ten minutes do you know right away we are right in a game here that this this team are mm-hmm. all other place and are just so good yeah i think like those games were quite oh, definitely champions league games were a while ago and i think at that point it just kind of showed that we st- like i just felt like the level was so high and it was like right i've still got work to do mm-hmm. i mean i always feel like that but i felt like that at that point when we played them i was like right okay we've still got a while to go in terms of work and fitness and just everything in terms like I just felt like they were so far ahead but mm-hmm. I think now the game's moved on so much more that maybe it would be different um, so yeah I think definitely you can see that the level like when you come into it I think when we played America you could see how quick the game was like how physically fit and fast and I mean that's what kind of American American teams are kind of known for their, their physicality but mm-hmm. you could just see that the level and why they are like so successful and they have been so successful on the best stages so but that's who you want to test yourself against you want to play against the best players yeah definitely. Um, so so you've obviously then you had a collection of trophies you won between Celtic and Glasgow City mm. and then it was down to England mm-hmm. so was that then was that something by choice at that point or how did the that come about or were you did you have ambitions to move down south or what was in your thoughts at that point 
Um, at the point when I, I moved down to Arsenal after playing with Glasgow City for three years, and mm-hmm. prior to that, I think I just I was ready. I'd been there for three years. I'd been fortunate enough to play and win a number of trophies with a really good group of players. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just felt like I wanted to change. Like I wanted to kind of make that my. I want at that point I knew that there would maybe be an opportunity to play full time, and for that just to be my sole focus. Mm-hmm. Um, so. I wasn't really focused on going to England. It was more, could I play somewhere, whether it was abroad um, mm-hmm. and kind of like Sweden or wherever, like one of the kind of Germany, one of the top kind of leagues. Yeah. Um, and England for, was kind of improving definitely. And obviously, I mean, growing up, I watched Arsenal women's playing and winning FA Cup trophies on the television and stuff like that. So when Shelley had phoned me to say, would you be interested in coming to train and stuff? I was like, absolutely. It was... <laughs> I mean that was that was the team that I'd always like dreamed about playing for. Mm-hmm. Um so that was something that I was really excited about and kinda would have bit your hand off when when I got off of it. So um yeah, that was that was a, a really it was it was a big challenge right enough, but it was something that I I'm so glad I did. Mm-hmm. And were they were Arsenal full time at that point? They I mean they were full time but we actually still trained at like four o'clock in the afternoon. Right. So we were paid to play. Like there was players were all full time, mm-hmm. but we weren't fully integrated as they are now mm-hmm. with the whole kind of main setup. So I think we trained on like the artificial turf indoors for most of it up until maybe the last couple of months. Um, so there was still kind of like different challenges within the club and and fully kind of integrating, like I say. So, um, but yeah, it was it was an opportunity for me to play with some of the best players and. Um, in England, and definitely, I mean, when you, like, like say Kelly Smith was was in the team, so you get you get some top top players to learn from. Mm-hmm. Um, so for me, that was I was just like trying to watch everything and and take as much in as I could. Yeah, as you're going through, and it's obviously you you've, you've said there a couple of times that you you had a lot of senior players in there who who maybe mm-hmm. kind of helped you along. Is there any kind of bit of advice that you remember from from any point in your career I suppose that have kind of stuck with you for your own journey I think just to be myself like and and to make sure that like obviously you're continuing to work hard I think that sometimes that working hard like you don't realize how far that can take you mm-hmm. um I just think from listening to different people talking people would rather have players that are willing to work for the team and just wanting to always learn constantly develop and be open-minded and I think those are the two probably key things for me like having seen the game develop over the years and and how it's changed like the two things like would definitely stick out in my mind anyway for that I've kind of taken and and always tried to to do. Mm -hmm. And do you think a lot of kind of younger players that came through now just want everything right away rather than, than going on that path and trying to kind of earn their stripes as such and go up through the, the clubs or the leagues or wherever they are. Do you think there's a a tendency now, maybe it might be the whole social media culture as well, that kids just want everything there and then without the actual graph to get to it? I think things are very instant now, especially with social media and things like that. Um, and sometimes it can paint a false sense of reality. People don't see the day-to-day things that you do to get to where you are. And I think that young players now maybe have more opportunities, but they also have more. So, for example, like the club might give them all their kit. They might have to, they might get their pitches. They've got floodlit pitches. They've got gyms. They've got S&C coaches. They've got literally everything they need to 
to make it or, or to give themselves the best chance. But I think, like, if you go back 10 years or 15 years, like, we were at, I was at a local park training, and sometimes our mum and dad had to put their cars on and let them pit, <laughs> like, the pitch. Yeah. So, like, we had to pay our subs. We had to, like, I had to get, when I was younger, like, I've got a brother and a sister, so my mum mm-hmm. couldn't always take me to training. I sometimes got two buses to training. Mm-hmm. Um, so, like, on a Monday night. So, I think it's just, and I'm not saying that young kids now don't work hard because there's probably a vast majority of them do, but I think that it's, there's definitely a slight change in the mentality side of like still sometimes having to just get do the groundwork and do all the dirty work that that really will get you to where you want to go if you're prepared to do it yeah and i think that 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 was another thing i was going to ask you as well comparison to even before you you got to obviously the the club side of football even training with like your your own teams locally and things and coaching from when you were coming back from america queen's park etc how do you feel coaching and the women's game has changed now from when you were first coming through? Um, I think it definitely has changed. Like, again, the going to kind of, like, my own experiences when I played at grassroots level, like, mm-hmm. one of my friend's dad, he ran the team. Well, there was two people that ran the team, and they were just really, do you know what I mean, caring parents that just wanted us to, to give us an opportunity to play football and, and obviously knew the game a little bit as well. But I think now there's obviously a lot of, young girls now have like everything they've got like I said SNC coaches full time full time or part time coaches that have got all their licenses and whatever I'm not saying that that makes you a good coach or not but I think that um there's definitely now a lot more resources from a, a younger age and and hopefully that that can help kind of develop young players technically tactically and and make them better I think if I was their age now I would be would be rubbing my hands because I'd be like, "This is just a dream, like to to be able to have all those those things at your disposal or like to learn from." I think for me, it would be brilliant. Yeah, I think that's the thing. It's uh, as you said, they're like using headlights and things to play football. Whereas you've got kids now walking onto pitches that are pristine, conditioned, and everything mm-hmm. absolutely done for them with kit and things like that. And they take away all the obstacles, so you can just concentrate on that and. Obviously, I mean, I'd obviously growing up, I would have loved that. I'd have loved to, to yeah. be on a pitch that didn't have 19 holes and dogs running about it and <laughs> various other things. But it's, um, it's it's crazy now the way that is. But it's obviously the best platform for people to perform as well. 100%. And it, and it takes away excuses as well. Mm-hmm. Because when you've got all those things, like what else do you need other than just like the right mindset and the kind of... the yeah, that you, you want to go and develop and you're ready to put the work in to, to do that. Yeah, totally agree with you. And on that note, obviously coming through yourself, and even now you, you probably have some as well, who was your own inspirations? Um, I think like a lot of a lot of mine's definitely my parents, just in terms of like how hard they work and, and seeing that. Like my dad used to leave at like half or five in the morning when mm-hmm. I was like really young and my mum's never stops and she still doesn't. So I think for me like I've definitely taken a lot of inspiration from them and just in terms of like their work ethic and, and that side and then kind of in terms of just a footballing inspiration. I obviously grew up watching Celtic a lot and Henrik Larsson was, was definitely my hero. I loved watching him playing, whether you're a Celtic Rangers fan or whoever. I think just in terms of like how good he was and his impact they had on the pitch, mm-hmm. like I just loved watching him and I just to, just to think, right, well, he did that. I, I need to go and practice that. Yeah. Um, I think for me, yeah, he just like 
he was the one that I just like idolised um, yeah. as a young player. I think he he broke my heart many a time. I'm not going to lie to you, but <laughs> I think in the same sense, you as you say there, you you can't not like somebody like that with that ability. And they're playing in Scotland, and you've got people like that here. Do you know what I mean? It's I think you yeah. Once once you've kind of dried your tears and things, you then realise that it's just <laughs> exceptional players. And obviously, maybe starting to get back to that now, but it's it's just good to have that level of people here playing their trade, whether that be the women's game or the men's game. Absolutely. So then from Arsenal, you moved on to Bristol. Mm-hmm. Obviously from the, the point of view of you were at Arsenal and you were playing under Shelley and it, it was a move that you'd you'd really wanted and you were looking for for that kind of step. What kind of challenge did Bristol then present to you at that point? Um, well, for me, like before going to Bristol, like I hadn't played a lot with mm-hmm. Arsenal. Um, I'd come off the back of like a knee injury at Glasgow City before I signed for like a year and year and a bit um, of just on off different injuries and then that one sent me back a while so I wasn't really fully fit um, they had a squad at Arsenal with a lot of really good players and mm-hmm. I, I struggled to, to find find my footing in the team and to to play regularly so I think for me to go to Bristol was an opportunity to, to play weekly every week and I think like if you're a footballer you always want to do that when you work so hard every, every day in training the best bits the weekend, stepping onto the pitch and being able to play. So, um, going to Bristol was was brilliant for me in that sense. Like I was able to play every week, but I've flipped going from being part of like a very successful and winning team to then going to a club that's fighting relegation. So, yeah. I think mentally that was that was um, definitely a big learning curve for me um, as a player because there's pressure when you play with a team that's winning every week, but there's also then pressure when you're playing with a team that that's fighting to stay up. Mm-hmm. fighting for points and it and it's different so I think for me that was definitely a, a big learning curve and when you you went into Bristol did did people kind of make you aware of the the reality of the situation and that they, they were in that position of fighting and things because you'd obviously came from Arsenal where they're 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 fighting for trophies they're not at the other end of the table at such mm-hmm. um well they'd actually Bristol had actually done quite well the season before so um, it, we had just a bad run of games at the start, um, mm-hmm. and and then it kind of became, it just became a kind of like rolling thing where we just really struggled to pick up points. And the manager that signed me then got sacked. Um, so we then had another manager come in, um, Willie Kirk, who's now um Everton, and it just kind of we just didn't have enough time when he came in to then try and like pick up enough points to stay up. So, mm-hmm. so that was really disappointing, but. On a personal note, it was it was a good season for me to play regularly and get myself back to full fitness. Yeah. How did you find that pressure of going into games and kind of, obviously if you're on a bad run and you're losing games, knowing that you need to start picking up points? Because as you said, it is a totally different mental approach to be, mm-hmm. winning all the time and keeping that standard going. But how did you cope yourself? It was tough actually, because I'd never, like, I'd, I'd played in like teams that, had predominantly won or been challenging so to play in a team that was struggling it was definitely a big a big challenge for me and in games like that there's where you're struggling it's it's important that you're still brave and want to get on the ball and I think you learn a lot about yourself in different difficult situations so for me I definitely learned that you need to be brave even when even when the chips are down you need to be brave and want on the ball I think there was times where you've maybe maybe struggled to do that but then come the end of it I've 
you, you just grow up a lot and you, I think you just need to use it as an opportunity to, to learn and grow and I think I definitely did a lot of that season. <laughs> yeah, and that's that was again, I'm trying to kind of link in questions that people have seen and somebody had asked, more than one person had actually asked and it's it's a difficult question and I'm, I'm hoping you, you'll be able to give us some insight but what people are kind of generally asking is how do you develop that mental toughness that comes with being an athlete at that level because it, it's it's the expectation no matter what kind of team you're at you're either expected mm-hmm. to win things you're expected to stay in a league or you're expected to compete but is it, was that something that was always there for you or you found it was there kind of clubs where you developed that more Mm, I think I think it's just something it's just something you develop through time and experience and actually putting yourself in the deep end. Mm-hmm. Um, I think with Glasgow City, I joined at a time where they'd obviously been doing quite well, and then in the Champions League, I was straight in the deep end, playing in the cha- like playing in those games, mm-hmm. like those were pressure games. And I think it's just playing in them more and learning how you like learning how you work in those games. So you like then reflect back on how they went, what went well, what didn't, what what do I need to improve on. And then mentally, just like day in, day out and training, like try and work on them. Because I think you're never going to get it perfect. But as long as you're kind of conscious of it and self-aware, you you will always improve if you see it as that kind of the opportunity to improve. Mm-hmm. Um, even even when we've lost against Potsdam, it's like, right, okay, well, what went wrong? Where are you at? And then what do I need to go and improve? And I think it's the same. And the, the, pre- the situations where we were struggling with relegation, like, well, what? What could I have done better? Um, how can I grow? How can I get better? Mm-hmm. Um, what did I do well? But then also, like, how, how can I make it better? And I think that's the only really thing that I can say is, like, being in the deep end, being in those type of games, being in the kind of um, situations, like, you just need to take it for what it is mm-hmm. and then just try and try and see an opportunity to learn and develop whatever it is, yeah. whether it's in a positive way or whether it's somewhere where you're like, right, okay, if push comes to shove the next time, this is how I deal with it and it's putting things in place so that you know that you're ready and I think a lot of that a lot of kind of confidence in, in big situations and big games comes from your training and knowing that every day you've done what you can mm-hmm. um, and that's well personally how I, I've dealt with it mm-hmm. and do you do you self-analyse a lot after games or do you kind of put it to bed when the game's finished no I'm constantly thinking about the game <laughs> the minute I come off I'm like right okay what did I do well what didn't I do well and like the situations will play over my head where I maybe didn't do what I wanted to do or it didn't quite come off or mm-hmm. oh, I need to do this better um, we all, we're fortunate enough that we get our games like the games are on now the FA player are on yeah. um, we've got an analyst so we'll get our clips back we'll be able to watch them and analyse them we can either discuss them with our manager or we can just watch them ourselves and self kind of critique and, and look at opportunities to, to develop and grow mm-hmm. and I suppose my next question was going to be do they, how long do the defeats hurt you for but I'm guessing a long time by the sounds of that you know what not now not when I'm, not as I've got older I think like you just need to take them for what they are mm-hmm. look at where you need to improve and then like move forward because there's no point in dwelling it you don't have an op- you don't have time to do that anymore so every week matters every like training session matters so it's just making sure that when you go back on the pitch that you try and put things right that maybe haven't gone well or look at look at ways to improve them or develop them yeah did it take you a while to get to that point uh, yeah I think it's just calm as I've got older you just kind of not relax not relax just be a bit calmer and more uh, I don't know the word for it but I just 
just kind of make things a bit simpler. Yeah. Um, um, and just kind of almost like, yeah, it was it was maybe didn't go as well, or yeah, it did go well, but tomorrow's a new day, tomorrow's a new session, we're building towards another game. So it's just, yeah, I just think it's it's better to to look at it, see what went well, what didn't, and then move forward. Mm-hmm. I've got to ask you about your time, probably one of the, the most well-known teams, Doncaster Rovers, Bells. I think it's one of those teams that if you watch any level of football, you would have seen the name spring up at some point because they were yeah. always always involved in things. How was that for you? Do you know what? It was actually, it was really, I, I did enjoy my time at Doncaster. Again, I was playing regularly um, and I was playing in an environment that, I mean, it was it was a big club, but it was mm-hmm. also quite a family and close-knit club. Yeah. So um, we didn't have the best of everything, but I mean, we had a brilliant pitch to play on every week at the stadium, mm-hmm. but um, it, was, it was great. I, I really enjoyed my time there, actually. I think in terms of level of professionalism, it wasn't probably in the same level of, as other teams that I've played, mm-hmm. but um, I just... I was able to play and just play with freedom um, and play with like a good group of people. Um, and I think sometimes that's uh, undervalued. <laughs> so yeah. I think for me, like I really enjoyed my time at Doncaster. Unfortunately, we, I joined halfway through the season and they were in a relegation battle again. But mm-hmm. I wanted to be back playing in England regularly, and I saw it as an opportunity to do that. So um, I'd say knowing that that we were in like a pretty tough, um, they were in a pretty tough time, but. Mm-hmm just to play regularly again like that for me is always like I love football but the best bit is playing so um, yeah I, I did really enjoy my time at Doncaster and do you think that as, as you kind of said there it, it's probably not a club that's got kind of everything that like your arsenals etc have mm-hmm. but does that then balance out with you as you say if you've got that family atmosphere and you've got somebody there who's willing to just let you go and play your game the way you want to play it mm-hmm yeah, definitely. And we had people that wanted to work hard. And I think that that's also really important because you can have everything. But if you've not got people that want to work hard for each other um, and play, we played some good football. Um, we had had some good coaches as well. Um, one of our coaches moved on to work with England um, at the youth level. And then um, Neil Redfern came in and he just kind of freshened things up again for us. And, and for me as a player, I was obviously delighted because he had a lot of experience coming from the men's game and having played himself so mm-hmm. I was able to kind of tap into what kind of football knowledge he had um, and, and develop as a player and then he also just allowed me to go and play with, with freedom and I think that was a, a really good point for me. Yeah it just gives you that kind of freedom to go and express yourself in the pitch. Yeah. And then obviously on to a name which most people will know Liverpool. Yeah. How did that come about? Um, well, I had I'd played under Neil at uh, Doncaster. He was just in kind of helping out and mm-hmm. then he ended up getting the job at Liverpool and he just messaged me and was like, would you be interested in coming to play for us? Like, I'd love to have you. And I was like, absolutely. <laughs> um, I'd love, like, obviously Liverpool are a big club. Yeah. Definitely on the men's side and the women's side, they've, they've won the WSL several times, so... Um, it was an opportunity for me to play in a top league with a good, a really good club, and and then under a manager that wanted me and that um, it saw this type of understood the type of player that I was. So for me, that was a bigger, a bigger draw. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, uh, that's that's how that kind of came about. And did you feel 
better with this one because you'd obviously you said you went to Arsenal and you were still carrying that injury and then you it was a struggle to get into the team but with the Liverpool one obviously you were you were going there fit and you were ready to play and you had a manager there mm-hmm. who knew how you operated did that give you a kind of G up before you even got started yeah yeah that definitely gave me a lot of confidence knowing that he knew kind of I mean I Shelley knew me a lot at Arsenal as well I just mm-hmm. think that I just struggled to to push my way into the team um, and they obviously had a lot of good players at Arsenal as well mm-hmm. um, so I think for me as a young player and it was my first full-time contract so there was a lot of things that um, if I look back on maybe I, I would have rathered maybe would have done differently but um, yeah I think for me Liverpool was just a fresh start and, and under a manager that wanted me um, and that knew me as well so um, it was something that I was really excited about um, and he'd attracted a few more players that I knew of and I'd played with before so of good quality so for me it was exciting mm-hmm. and then I, I suppose it's another kind of set up similar to Arsenal where they've, they've got the kind of best of everything which yeah is... um, yeah that which was good um, I was able to play full time it was all on grass which again is a massive draw because there was still some teams playing on like artificial turf so mm-hmm. so yeah like for me it was and Liverpool's a brilliant city um, I didn't really know much about it before I went but after obviously I moved, I really grew to love the place. Mm-hmm. I can see why. <laughs> um, obviously, we'll, we'll we'll touch on Birmingham as well. But looking at the the international career, so you over sixty caps mm-hmm. for Scotland, and at any level, that's incredible. But is it when you made your debut for Scotland? Did you see it lasting that long? I didn't really know. I, I, not that I didn't. I just for me, like I've never really been wanting to like look too far ahead I yeah. just knew that I wanted to play for the senior team mm-hmm. um, I didn't know how many opportunities I would get to do that but I knew that in my goal like from growing up from when I was younger when I found out like there was a Scotland team and a women's team that I wanted to play for them um, so for me obviously to play 60 I think 67 times is obviously a massive honour um, but when I was 19 and I just made my debut I didn't think that I would play 60 I would, I would play over 60 times for my country no but I'm obviously absolutely delighted in it to get to represent the country it's like it's amazing yeah how did you find out about your first call up um i was i think it was at uni and i had just got home to like my flat and mm-hmm. the national team manager just called me and said that the, one of the girls had had pulled out and that they were pulling me in to go to the trip to cyprus which was like a 10-day kind of tournament we would mm-hmm. normally go to every year so um i was honestly delighted i was over the moon i literally just Got off the phone, phoned my mum and dad straight away, because um, obviously they're they've they go with you through everything, don't yeah, they? So exactly. they were the, my first people that I wanted to call to kind of share it with them. So yeah, it was a it was a really cool moment. No, I can imagine it's it's one of the kind of pinch yourself phone calls. A hundred percent. I'm just kind of linking in some questions here as well. So what somebody had asked was, what are your kind of thoughts on the current women's game, and do you think that there's room for even more growth than what's kind of going on just now because there's been a lot of focus on it obviously over the last 12 18 months after the the world cup in a positive way as well because i think obviously more people are taking an interest now and the 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 fan bases are growing across the world but from your point of view what what's your take on it as a player and do you think there is anything else that can be done to to grow even more yeah i think absolutely it's grown so much i think the world cup definitely helped just be with exposure, the media exposure and the games being available on the television, and I think the the level in terms of like how 
the game's improved in terms of fitness levels, so it's faster and it's more exciting to watch. I think the league definitely in England has improved a lot just by going completely full-time, um, and which is, is then attracting better players to come every year to the league. And I think this is probably one of the, the strongest that the league has been, sorry. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think for us then, it's 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 better, it's more of a draw for people to watch, and I think just increasing the visibility of it will help, will help it grow. All the games pretty much are now on FA Player and and then on B- BBC iPlayer or on BT Sports. I think just allowing people to see it more regularly can can definitely help. I think having more games on television um, and just getting more people to come and watch games, obviously at the moment, that, that can't happen. Yeah. But I think just having the games on, on television for people to watch is definitely going to help. Mm-hmm. Um, so, but it's definitely, of course, there's room for improvement. There always is, um, and I think obviously England hosting the the Euros in 2022 now will be will be brilliant again, and hopefully it can help push the game on. But I think just from an international point of view, like in Scotland, the game's obviously growing as well. Like more teams are going full time, um, so I mean that's hopefully going to help help the game improve at home as well. And then with the national team doing doing well and qualifying for back-to-back campaigns again that just helps it helps just the women's game in general in Scotland and, and allows young girls to com- aspire to play both in Scotland and obviously for the national team so um, it's just continuing to, to grow the game and, and get the kind of commercial side of the game and pushed on as well we're getting more kind of sponsors and, and, and companies involved as well. Yeah I think it has definitely grown from a kid's perspective now because my own daughter is is like obsessed with football, and I think it is that whole. She's eleven, and it is available on, as yeah. you say, so many platforms, and she can go into YouTube and type in a player's name and get all these videos up. That, that probably when I was younger, and maybe yourself was younger, you just didn't have that access to, yeah, to to see different things. But I think it's definitely grown in that sense. And as you say, mm-hmm. obviously, the more things are are televised, then the more kids are going to watch it and go out and practice it and hopefully obviously do the same um, as yourself and follow that path but no I think you're right I think it has massively grown every every podcast obviously we look at look at the brilliant points we also look at the other side of it as well so for, mm. for you what's your kind of highs and lows that stick out for you through, throughout your career um I think lows definitely probably the times that I've been injured I'd hurt my knee mm-hmm. um and I ended up getting a micro fracture on it so I was out for a good like a year and a couple of months so like for me that was quite tough I think that's the longest injury that I've had and it was it was quite a tricky like injury to come back from so like that was that was a tough one for me and then like probably when we went to the World Cup like I was fortunate enough to to be in the starting 11 and to play playing the first game against England but then to get injured in that game was obviously quite disappointing because mm-hmm. um, it put me out for the rest of the the tournament um, so that I think that was that was quite tough um, the last one was probably like the time between leaving Liverpool and, and joining Birmingham so I think just not knowing what was going on obviously with Covid and then my contract expiring and, mm-hmm. and different bits and pieces like there was definitely points last season that I did struggle um, just went up to playing regularly and um, not really feeling that I got a fair opportunity to play. Mm-hmm. Um, that was tough, but it's obviously top sport and there's times where you maybe just don't fit into um, people's plans. So I think for me that was that was tough because obviously 
on an international side of it, I always want to, to compete and mm-hmm. to be available. And, and I think when you're not playing at your club regularly, that can always be be tough as well, knowing that when you're wanting to try and like play for the national team, you're not playing regularly at the club. Like, yeah. How can you be expected to, to do that? So I think for me, like that was probably... Um, last season was quite tough mm-hmm. um, personally, but I think on the flip side, I've went from feeling that low to this season joining a club that I very much feel valued and and a really important part of part of a great squad of people. So I've kind of I feel like I'm now in an an environment which I very much enjoy being part of and mm-hmm. around people that are that are really good people. So um, yeah, so that's probably. Um, a low but going into a high if that makes sense yeah yeah and do you think people kind of maybe not forget but just don't realize that side of it with the injury and then obviously not having a club and the pressure that comes with that as well because i think mm-hmm. a lot of people think oh they're injured why are they not back yet why are they not playing mm-hmm. yet and it's been x mm-hmm. amount of months or they've not mm-hmm. got a club what's happening but that obviously must take a toll on you as well without people actually realizing from the outside looking in yeah, I think like I'd come obviously come off the back of like the World Cup injured and then maybe only missed two two maybe a month and a half or two months of the season mm-hmm. uh, last year. So or last season with Liverpool. So I think a lot of people thought I was injured, but I actually wasn't. It was just obviously I wasn't playing. I mm-hmm. wasn't being selected to play. So I think that in itself was tough. And then obviously dealing with trying the pressure of trying to find a new club and the right fit for you as both as a player and as a person, like especially during a like a pandemic so yeah, exactly. um that that in that in itself like not having a club as well is, is obviously quite stressful but then obviously that situation happening too it was um was quite difficult i think for me as well if i was, if I was being really honest so mm-hmm. um but i've definitely come out the other end very very good and i'm i'm happy and i'm enjoying my football again which for me is the most important thing so yeah, exactly. So we'll we'll we'll, we'll go for the low mood to get, give it give us some some high points of your career, some kind of standout moments. Um, I think scoring on my Champions League debut with Glasgow City was definitely up there as one of mine. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, winning obviously the trophies with Glasgow City, and then obviously Celtic's first trophy as well. That yep. was my first um senior senior trophy. So those were definitely personal highs. I think definitely my, the pinnacle was without a doubt playing at the World Cup. Yeah. Um, and representing Scotland um, there, that, that for me was an amazing experience, both being part of the team and then also being able to share that with my family who could come and watch. Um, that was amazing. So, I mean, yeah, you, you grow up watching World yeah. Cups and then to be able to play at one, I think for me was, was definitely um, a personal highlight in my career and also like just personally in my life. Yeah, but yeah, it's funny that... I'd imagine it's one of the ones where you can, uh, if you're out in the pitch, you have a wee look about and just just think to yourself, how good is this? Like, as yeah. you say, with your family and all that there, it's just one of those life goals, I suppose. Definitely, and then it's obviously live on BBC One or Two, so, mm-hmm. like, everybody at home was watching, like, prior to, like, the build-up of never, like, people show interest, but, like, before we went to the World Cup, there was people coming up to me and, like, family members that were never interested in football or just <laughs> friends, like, yeah. they're, like, oh, best of luck, like, actually caring. And, I mean, even the, the game at, um, we played Jamaica in Hamden, like, mm. that was amazing. Like, it was 19 or 21,000, I can't remember roughly. Yeah. But there was so many people there. And it just was kind of, like, wow, the game's grown. And mm-hmm. to be part of that and to be part of the team that, that kind of did that was, was really special. Amazing, absolutely amazing. Um, 
and then obviously on to Birmingham as you've, you've touched on there and probably mm-hmm. the most bizarre season that, that you'll ever experience probably um, how, how have you found it so far obviously as a, as a player and coping with the whole no fan situation as a player, it's been brilliant. Like the I've came into obviously quite a quite a new team. Like mm-hmm. a lot, of, there was a big turnover of players, and the players that were that were still here were obviously, um, they I mean they made me so welcome. Like mm-hmm. they're so nice. Like the girls, the staff, like there was like, the new manager as well. So, um, it was kind of it was definitely a, a fresh start and one that I needed. And it's a it's a good environment to be part of and just enjoying playing my football again. But I think. It's it's quite strange not having fans there to watch to watch the game. So mm-hmm. obviously we've got like a big support at Birmingham. Yeah, and just still like really loyal fans. So I think it would have been good to kind of meet them and kind of be around them and obviously to play in front of them. But I mean at the moment obviously that can't happen. But mm-hmm. we're obviously looking forward. I'm looking forward to that whenever that kind of time comes. Whenever that is, I'm not yeah. really sure, but. Um, it is a bit strange playing games without them, and then obviously internationally as well. Like we'd been picking, like the crowds had been definitely picking up, so it would have been nice. It's always nice to go home, and and to play in front of a home crowd, especially living away from home. So hope hopefully soon, definitely um, play in front of fans because as also as a football fan as well, I love going to watch live mm-hmm. football. So I can totally sympathise and empathise with people that can't go to watch the the club every week. Mm-hmm. No, you're absolutely right. See, see on the back of that, and obviously they're not being fans there. What's the what's the fan interaction been like for you through kind of social media? Because that's probably the only channel that people have got now to mm-hmm. to talk about the games and things. But as a player, do you get a lot of stuff towards you, or do you get any kind of feedback from fans at all? Um, sometimes, like definitely leading up to a game, like our, our Blues fans will always messages and stuff and, and wishes luck and whatever, which is always really nice and to know that they're watching and are um, supporting and stuff. But I think, um, yeah, it's it's uh, strange. I'm not really, I like social media, but I don't. I mm-hmm. think sometimes yeah. it can it can be a bit tricky, not, not from that side, just yeah. in terms of just sometimes it's not real life. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? It's, yeah. it's easy to to paint a picture of something um, when it's not, but I think also in, a, in another capacity, it's an opportunity for you to, to share your journey and, and obviously be visible for young girls as, as a good role model to look up to and to kind of help share my journey of it mm-hmm. in, in some ways. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I think that it's been, it's always nice to kind of interact with the fans when, when they do um, message or whatever. I know you'd said there about the kind of role model side of things. If you've got kind of any kind of young girls that you know or I know there maybe be kind of young girls listening into this is there any advice that you would give them in the, the position of being kind of 12, 13, 14 years old and, and wanting to be a footballer the kind of key things that you would ask them to kind of look out for Um, I think just enjoy playing I think like as a young player you just need to enjoy playing football I think working hard of course like that's, that's a given Um, but just being in an environment where you feel like you can just really flourish and enjoy playing your football because I think that when you're enjoying playing, you're going to play your best mm-hmm. um, if you're in the right environment. So I think those those two are, are key um, mm-hmm. to enjoy playing and obviously to put yourself out of your comfort zone, I think, sometimes as well. So um, And to pl- try and play against the best players or play with the best players. Um, yeah. And I think that's probably two key ones. Mm-hmm. Just be open-minded as well and 
and always want to learn. Yeah. So. And that's what, it was a kind of another question following on from that. So if somebody had messaged in and says, how did you find the standard in the US and would you recommend that route for people if they had that option of taking like the scholarship approach? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would. Um, I think that it's definitely a great opportunity. I think in women's sport, there's still, there's still a lot of growth to happen to make it. Like even even in the men's game, I think when you finish playing, that you really need to have something else to to fall back on mm-hmm. to, to go and do next when you're playing, or even when you're playing. Um, so I think like going and playing in America on a scholarship is definitely a great opportunity for young people to go and do because it's kind of almost like the dual career route where mm-hmm. you're really still focusing on your education but playing in a really good environment um when it comes to kind of the the college system in america is is really good in terms of like you have everything you have all the support that you need to to kind of be a great like like a really good athlete um and also play football um at a good level as well as study so i think yeah i would advise it if it if it felt like the right opportunity for someone then yeah it's four years of just Kind of growing and learning as a person, mm-hmm. playing football at a good level, and then also um, to get an education, which I think is is really important and something that should continue to be pushed um, in both in both men's and, and women's football. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I suppose you've you've got the kind of the the thing that used to happen like years ago, where people would finish up not have a club and have nothing qualification wise mm-hmm. or anything to fall back on, and a yeah. lot of people just kind of get lost at that point. Um, yeah, I think it's always it's always good that if you at any age, young or old, that you continue to, to grow and develop and I think definitely as a young person that you should you should look at getting your education, whether it's A levels or, or a degree or a college or going and learning a trade, I think it's also really important for a young footballer to make sure that they've got things in place should should football not happen for you. Yeah, no, I definitely agree with you. And obviously, for yourself, I was still playing just now, but mm-hmm. would you look at the coaching side or are you into the coaching side just now? Um, so i done my B licence a few years ago. We got the opportunity to do it through the Scottish FA mm-hmm. with the national team, so the six of us done it. Um, and prior to that, I was not interested in coaching. Um, quite, in some ways, introverted, but also like a people person. It's, it's strange, but I was never confident standing up in front of big groups of people or anything, but when it came about, I thought, why not? Like, why not just put myself out my comfort zone and, and give it a go? And actually, I loved it. Uh, like, every week, I kind of felt like, every time I got onto the pitch and coached, I felt like I improved. And, and I was around, like, a few really good footballers as well as, like, good people. I knew them really well, the girls from, from the national team. So yeah. it was a good opportunity for me to, to grow. And I think that it kind of it kind of made me realise that I do, I would like to be involved in football, mm-hmm. I think, um, at some level. Um, and maybe coaching, maybe managing. I don't, I don't really know, but I think for me, yeah, I think I'm wanting to do. I'm on my year license now as well through the Scottish GFA, so they were doing some courses on um, kind of like online. So mm-hmm. during COVID, so I decided to kind of to start that and to also put in place things that when I'm ready to finish football, that I've got ways that I can go and and still earn a living and still yeah. be involved in football. It could be Christy Murray, the manager in the future. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. It'll definitely be the coach for. <laughs> I need to learn my trade. I would need to learn my trade for a long time before I would, I would consider doing that. But I think yeah, definitely be involved in football for sure. Mm-hmm. No, good stuff. Last thing I ask, and I ask everybody that comes on, 
obviously the the point of this is to speak to different people from Scotland who are, are doing brilliant things in whatever career or job they're doing and I always ask if you know anybody else that would be good to come on they've got a good story or they've worked really hard to get where they are so if you've got anybody that would be ideal for us um I think well one of my friends she's started up a a, a business kind of or a, like an organization mm-hmm. um and it's called Mindside Out and I think at the moment obviously when there's a lot of people struggling mentally mm-hmm. um it's, it's important to continue to to push like mental health and yeah. um, the importance of it and and her um their kind of vision is to kind of our mission is to kind of like empower people um who've maybe struggled with mental health um and, and to help them become they're better, the best kind of person that they are, both physically and obviously mentally. Mm-hmm. Um, and they're still early days in what they're wanting to do, but I think it would be kind of cool to to have a have a chat with her. Mm-hmm. Um, Cheryl Gallagher, her name is. Okay. Um, and she's a friend of mine. I played football with her um, a number of years ago, and her and her partner have started up um, this kind of. Uh, so they're on social media as well. You'll be able to check them out, mm-hmm. and it's just to kind of help people both just in terms of a whole holistic kind of side of, of things um so it might be something cool to, to speak about a bit different yeah no that sounds like a good one and i think it's it's probably relevant to the current climate as well with the, the mental health mm-hmm. piece mm-hmm. no i'll definitely drop her a wee message um chris it's been brilliant it's been brilliant to just speak to to someone at that level of football and obviously you might not say it, but I'll say it, but to be at that level for that long and, and play with that consistency, playing the Champions League, playing the World Cup, you went and done the scholarship, regardless of how long it was, you still jumped out of your comfort zone, which most 15-year-olds wouldn't even have got on the plane. Um, <laughs> I think it's it's been brilliant just to get that insight, and I think for any of the, the kids that are going to listen to this, you can't fail to get inspiration or knowledge to kind of build your own journey as well so thank you so much for coming on it's so appreciated no thank you for having on i'm, I'm honored to obviously come on and speak to you so thanks for your time no no worries and obviously best of luck for the rest of the season hope you get some more points in the board thank you very much <laughs> take care okay take care all right. cheers bye bye